Here we are again to tell you about the invisible, of what is there but not seen. The invisible, that like the unknown, generates fear, terror, and in extreme cases, panic. Movements of the soul that can be individuals related to sensitivity, or rather to that sense of feeling that is different in each one of us. And each one causes different states of mind and sensations. Sensations that sometimes can become collective and spread panic and fear that like wildfire are so difficult to control. But what exactly is the invisible? Have you ever wondered? We rely on our dear old dictionary, precisely that one covered with dust on the top shelf of our bookcase, that defines invisible this way. From Latin invisibilis, unseen, not visible, in an absolute sense of what does not show up materially, being pure spirit or any way bodiless, or of things that, due to their distance or smallness, one can only perceive with the help of tools, let's add, other than a human eye. Many of you that are listening will probably now be thinking of something specific, something that lately has been on every newspaper, every talk show or whatever channel. Yes, that's the one, the coronavirus, COVID-19, the invisible to the eye that is spreading panic all over the world. We decided to lead you to the invisible again, but not to what is today visible through the electronic microscope, without going in depth, because this is not the right place, and obviously without diffusing a grave situation. What we are going to tell you today is the first documented case of paranormal in history, of a haunted house, and of what we can rightly call ghost number zero. You're listening to the podcast Stories of Here and Beyond. The protagonist of our story is called Athenodorus. But who was he? We tell you in advance that he was haunted, but haunted by whom? We are between 74 BC and 7 AD. These are the dates of birth and death of Athenodorus of Tarsus, or Athenodorus Canaanites, or Athenodorus Calvus. Actually, his real name was Sandonis. He was born in Cana, and he was an historian, a Stoic philosopher, as well as the teacher of Roman Emperor Augustus at Apollonia, and later of many other members of the imperial family. We could call him a righteous man, engaged in the political, social and cultural life of his time. Do not forget, while listening, that he was a Stoic philosopher, not an insignificant detail in the story you are about to hear. A story that came to us passed down from Pliny the Younger, a Latin author that lived in the first century AD, and that recounted the event in a letter addressed to his friend Sura, a powerful man close to Traiano Emperor. Here, Pliny wonders whether ghosts really are existing beings, or rather images and sensations that spring from humans' minds overcome with fear. The introduction is that the philosopher Athenodorus was looking for a home in Athens, then the heart of the cultural and political life. Yes, even in those days, even philosophers looked for homes, and they found it. A beautiful house, wide, spacious, and cheap too. A lucky break, we would say today. 
if it weren't for a little detail, that that building was haunted by a ghost. Definitely not discreet or respectful with his living and breathing housemates. This is the first and documented case of presumed haunting of a house from an entity, the most famous and discussed in ancient times, precisely because of the story written by Pliny the Younger. So begins the Latin author's story. There was at Athens a large and spacious, but ill-reputed and pestilential house. In the dead of the night, a noise resembling the clashing of iron was frequently heard, which, if you listened more attentively, sounded like the rattling of feathers. At first it seemed at a distance, but approached nearer by degrees. Immediately afterward, a phantom appeared in the form of an old man, extremely meager and squalid, with a long beard and bristling hair, rattling the jives on his feet and hands. The poor inhabitants consequently passed sleepless nights under the most dismal terrors imaginable. This, as it broke their rest, threw them into the stampers, which as their horrors of mind increased, proved in the end fatal to their lives. For even in the daytime, though the spectre did not appear, yet the remembrance of it made such a strong impression on their imaginations that it still seemed before their eyes, and their terror remained when the cause of it was gone. By this means the house was at last deserted, as being judged by everybody to be absolutely uninhabitable. So that it was now entirely abandoned to the ghost. However, in hopes that some tenant might be found who was ignorant of this great calamity which attended it, a bill was put up, giving notice that it was either to be let or sold. At this point, Athenodorus comes in. Whilst visiting the house before buying it, he becomes aware of its cursed story, but he was a stoic, so he didn't really care and decided to rent it. Anyway, Pliny goes on like this. It happened that Athenodorus the philosopher came to Athens at this time and reading the bill ascertained the price. The extraordinary cheapness raised his suspicion. Nevertheless, when he heard the whole story, he was so far from being discouraged that he was more strongly inclined to hire it and in short actually did so. When he grew towards evening, he ordered a couch to be prepared for him in the forepart of the house, and after calling for a light, together with his pen and tablets, he directed all his people to retire within. But that his mind might not, for want of employment, be open to the vain terrors of imaginary noises and apparitions, he applied himself to writing with all his faculties. The first part of the night passed with usual silence, then began the clanking of iron fetters. However, he neither lifted up his eyes nor laid down his pen, but closed his ears by concentrating his attention. The noise increased and advanced nearer till it seemed at the door and at last in the chamber. He looked round and saw the apparition exactly as it had been described to him. It stood before him, beckoning with a finger. Athenodorus made a sign with his hand that he should wait a little, and bent again to his writing. Wow, cool guy, this Athenodorus, don't you think? Really stoic through and through. 
Unfortunately, the philosopher's indifference wasn't enough to discourage the ghost, or to at least detract him from his intent. The ghost, rattling his chains over his head as he wrote, he looked round and saw it beckoning as before. Upon this, he immediately took up his lamp and followed it. The ghost slowly stalked along, as if encumbered with its chains, and having turned into the courtyard of the house, suddenly vanished. Athenodorus, being thus deserted, marked the spot with a handful of grass and leaves. The next day he went to the magistrates and advised them to order that spot to be dug up. There they found bones commingled and intertwined with chains, for the body had mouldered away by long lying in the ground, leaving them bare and corroded by fetters. The bones were collected and buried at the public expense, and after the ghost was thus duly laid, the house was haunted no more. This is how things went in the long story by Pliny the Younger. With the friend he's writing to, he reflects upon the supposed existence of what today are called paranormal phenomena. Our leisure, he writes, gives both to me the chance of learning and to you the chance of teaching me. So I should very much like to know whether you think that ghosts exist and have a form of their own and some sort of supernatural power, or whether, being empty and unreal, they take their shape from our fear. Centuries after, do you have an answer? <laughs>